You know, it's only natural for parents to feel proud of their children. And there's nothing so fascinating as your own offspring. But when another parent raves about his children, it's amazing how you can lose interest. And that's the way our story begins tonight on... Louise It to Beaver. Starring Louise Gaspin and John Richardson as the co-host. Hey, hey, boys and girls and everything in between. It's me, Louise, and you're listening to Louise It to Beaver. I'll throw it over to my co-host... Hey, it's me, John. Gee golly, Louise, I sure am glad to be recording this Lu- this Leave It to Beaver podcast with you. Um, and if anybody wants to follow along, go on to louisetobeaver.com. We're going to have, um, uh, what are they called? Screen grabs from, Screen grabs. from uh, this episode. Uh, this is episode, this is season one, episode 14, part-time genius. Uh... I should probably also start including the link to archive.org where people can watch the episodes in the description. I mean, if you want to, yeah, that would be super helpful. Why not, right? Uh, why not? This episode aired on July, not July, January 10th, 1958. Um, Louise, what were you doing on January 10th, 1958? I believe I was an egg in my mother's one-year-old uterus, so... That is the correct answer. Uh, (laughs) Had you answered anything else, you would be a robot, and this would not be going well. Um, That is correct. We were eggs. We were eggs in our... Yeah. child our child mother's bodies <laughs> infant mothers yeah um so uh yeah before we before we talk about this episode at all i gotta ask general emotion you know those like um those charts at the doctor's office or like at the er where it has like little uh faces on them and it's like a scale from like feeling crappy to feeling amazing where where Mm -hmm. are you falling on this scale just me generally or me about about this episode but i'd love to hear both answers (laughs) i think me generally i'm feeling really good and shouldn't be at the doctor's office (laughs) um (laughs) about this episode i'm feeling like, if I were really into doctors, I'd value what they'd have to tell me about my uncertainty. A weird answer for a very weird question. So I appreciate <laughs> how are How are you feeling, doctor's office poster style? Uh, that's a great question, Louise, um, except it isn't, and it's my own fault. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd say that I'm probably... Um, you know, the one where it's kind of got like this, the squiggly line for a mouth. Yes. One better than that. One better. I yeah. like it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, hey. The not greened face one. Right. No, we're, we're healthy, but we're not in tip top shape. But like generally right. we're like, you know, we don't need to be there. Right. Okay, yeah. good. Whew. Close one. <laughs> Man. So scary. 
<laughs> yeah, starting off. All right, let's jump right into the TV Guide segment. Yeah. The part of the pod where we go to reference TV Guide's synopsis. Yeah, and how TV it Guide stacks said up to ours. About, yes. Oftentimes we find it ain't as good. Um, TV Guide says about part-time genius, an IQ test reveals that Beaver is a genius. And Louise has nothing to add to that because every time I tried, I got frustrated with the episode. Uh, okay. I totally hear you because I know that I've been in that position too where it's just like, uh, I have nothing to add to this. Um, I, before I, well, I'll, yeah, I'll say mine. Uh, Beaver gets the highest score on a school-wide test, but it ruins his reputation as an average kid. My question for you, Louise, and the audience, is, uh, well, I guess Louise, because the audience might not have seen this episode, it says IQ test, and in this episode, they refer to it as an intelligence test. Um, I don't, did they ever say IQ test? Was IQ a thing then? I don't know, actually. So I feel like I remember Wally maybe saying saying something like, "Yeah, huh. that is familiar." Uh, but my question, but maybe not. My question is like, this is first of all, I never got an IQ test when I was in grade school. Nope. No. Me either. I mean, yeah, there's like the standardized tests, but you know they're different depending on what grade you're in and everything. I don't know. Yeah. But I, and we'll get to what some of the examples are that are on this test, at least vaguely from what we've heard. And they don't seem like things that would be on an IQ test. No. No. They also don't seem like questions that would be on a school-wide test. Right, one that would apply to both second graders and eighth graders and everything in between. Um, oh, I have a new segment idea that I just want to like test out here, see what everyone thinks. Um, for anybody who has not listened to this show before, this show being Louisa to Beaver, the podcast... Uh, Louise and I have an issue with the way that the character of Ward, played by Hugh Beaumont, uh, is kind of set up because we have a, a belief, it's a conspiracy theory, to be honest, that yeah. Hugh Beaumont was told that this show is about the character Ward Cleaver and his life with two precocious sons. Not a show about two precocious kids and their lives, including their family. So uh, I want to give what I would say the synopsis is from from the perspective of Ward or like if the show was about Ward the way Hugh Beaumont thinks it is. So my synopsis is. Ward is tired of hearing his coworker rave about his kids, but when Beaver gets the highest score on a test, his ego does somersaults. I tried to find another, like, gymnastics word to toss in there to kind of make it, like, actually make sense with the somersaults, but I gave up. And then here we are. Yeah, it's just, we're in the experimental phase, and I like us for branching out. 
yeah um may well let's both try it on the next episode see how it feels okay and uh okay i think it's gonna be easy but um you know each episode starts with hugh beaumont it's hard to say if it's like supposed to be ward or if it's like Hey, a narrator. Yeah, or a narrator that just happens to be Hugh Beaumont. I don't know. Uh, giving a little, uh, a little soliloquy about a, tea up. a little tee up for what this episode is going to be about. That's that's our story this week on Leave It to Beaver, and he says it like that: Leave It to Beaver. Um, and this one, like it, it's all about kind of being a father and it's like what you smoking dope he's yeah he's confused is all he is a confused <laughs> old man um he, he's confused he's a little confused the uh the imagery we see during that is uh the family with aunt martha uh beaver learning how to punch in the garage and uh, some guy in a car with Ward, and he's talking Ward's ear off. We find out very soon who that is. But before that, we get into the episode. So scene one starts in the kitchen. June is cooking up something delicious. Uh, Wally comes in. Wait. And s- yeah, what's wait. June wearing? June's first look. Okay. June is wearing, and it is a repeat outfit uh, from episode 12, look five, episode 10, look one, episode eight, look one, and episode six, look two. It is a dark colored poppy diamond dot pattern belted button up shirt dress with a vertical striped apron and a front patch pocket, arm candy, earrings, and a pearl necklace with open heart pendant. Uh. This has appeared in so many episodes, you have to imagine that it's, like, at the the top of her dresser drawer. Like, when she's folding yeah. laundry, this goes on the top of the stack. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and or it's the one right in front of you in the closet. Right, yeah. Like- she puts it in a place where it's, like, the easiest one to grab. Uh, I, she, man, that woman... She kills it every time. She is in the kitchen. She is roasting something for dinner. Looks like a, a bird of some sort. Wally prances in. And boy, oh boy, is he hungry. Mm-hmm. So they have this funny interaction where he goes, Hey, Ma, when's dinner going to be ready? Beaver and me are hungry. And she goes, Beaver and I are hungry. And he's like, well, I guess all, they we're all pretty hungry, huh? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> it is like Classic funny little Wally, Wally voice. Um, I love I love that little joke. I I can't tell if Wally understands that it's a joke or actually thinks that June is saying that she and Beaver are hungry because she like kind of laughs. But he's just right. like, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a little kid. I'm going to go grab a cookie. <laughs> um, <laughs> so then she describes the reason why they haven't eaten yet, which is disgusting, which is that they're waiting for Ward to get home. Ugh. Ugh. How Indeed. late is he going to be? Well, 
glad you asked, Louise. He is dropping off his coworker, Willis Corny Cornelius. Uh, the nickname Corny is kind of a behind-the-back situation, I believe. I believe it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, so then we... C- and as we'll find out later, because Corny's son goes to Wally and the Beaver School. Same class as Wally. That this is same class as Beaver. No, I thought he said Wally. Anyway. Oh. Oh, you're right. Does this change things Never for mind. you? Yes. Oh, <laughs> I thought I had I thought I had drawn a connecting dot line and I certainly didn't. What would what would that have been? Um I I'm not giving anything away, I guess. I was under the assumption that Charlie was the younger brother, but that's not his last name. No, it was Charlie Fredericks. Fredericks. Yeah. Because then when Ward is like giving him all the guff about his son later. Oh, you thought that that was. Uh, okay. uh-huh. Interesting. It does change it a little. It actually makes me think it's even grosser <laughs> the way that he is so arrogant later. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> part of me was like, like "Oh, is she gonna like this like... more now?" Well, I thought for a second. Oh, we're so ahead of ourselves. But I thought for a second that he was saying he. We can come back to this. Ward, yeah, he Ward. You want to come back to it? I mean, uh, okay. Yeah, it makes more sense. Yeah. Although the idea that two people that Ward works with have kids in Beaver's class because Violet Rutherford is Fred Rutherford's daughter. Yes. The, th- the idea that they're all in the same class kind of makes you wonder, like, what was going on at the Christmas party? <laughs> you know? Like, uh, yeah. eight and years before that. And it also makes that. me wonder, is there only one place in the whole town where people can work? That they're all coworkers? Well, I mean, not if you are... An auxiliary firefighter, or oh, okay. uh, an ice True. cream man, or yep. um, a bridge painter, or I guess a a, a pharmacist or a soda shop. Right, right. It's one worker. who might dispense okay. milkshakes, malteds. Um, so anyway, I yes, they are in the car together, and yeah, second scene parked outside Willis Cornelius's house. Right, parked outside of his house. And they're, you know, the front seat of Ward's car is just like a bench seat. And Corny Cornelius is like up in his face. So close to him. Louise, let's talk a little bit more about facial proximity in like two scenes. Because I have a, I have a little thread to connect here. Okay. Okay. So Ward is uh, in the driver's seat and Corny is just like talking his ear off about his kids, the aforementioned uh, Willis Jr. And And he is missing all the social cues. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know if we've talked about this before, but one time Laura and I had a party 
and everybody had left. And there was one person who was just sticking around and talking, talking, (laughs) talking, 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 would not stop talking. And Laura was trying to give as many additional cues beyond all of the other obvious ones to why the party is over. And Laura started stacking the chairs like the di- like the dining room table <laughs> chairs. She was stacking them. And after this person finally left, I was like, were you stacking the chairs? And she's like, I didn't know what else to do. I didn't know what other signs like, I could give to let this person know that the party's over. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. Yeah. So uh, I think at one point, point Ward says, like, uh, I think your uh, wife is at the window. And he's like, no, no, that's the rubber plant. Oh, yeah. The rubber plant. <laughs> um. Yes. Striking resemblance to his wife. So uh, Corny is telling him about how the kids have this test tomorrow that his kids are going to ace. They're going to do so well on. And he's like, well, but you I'm sure know all about it because our boys are in the same class together. And Warren's is like, oh, yeah, of course, of course, of course. And terrible acting. Hugh Beaumont is terrible at acting about like acting, he's acting. acting like he's acting. Yes. This has come up before. This is not the last time. Yeah, I was like, we'll say it every time. Every Oh, <laughs> and we will. Um, so now we go to the Cleaver family dining room table. I did not notice if Ward had a bell on the table. I looked for I it. Looked for it I too. didn't see it. I didn't it. see it. Okay. Uh, yeah, I know, right? Uh, I forget which episode it was, but there's one episode where Ward has one of those little like bellhop bells at the dining gross. room table. It's really gross. So um, Ward is asking the kids, like, oh, Beaver, you know, anything happened in school today? And he says, Angela Valentine said she was going to get sick in class. And June says, "Well, what happened?" And he's like, "She did." <laughs> <laughs> I so I could I thought that he said Angel Valentine, and I was just like, "There's a kid in his class named Angel Valentine." I mean, Angela Valentine is like essentially the same thing, but like the names of these people—it's rough. It's crazy. Um, yeah. The fact that Beaver goes by Beaver is like not weird compared to all of the kids yeah, in his class. Yes. Um, Agreed. So, yeah, I guess they just finished eating or whatever, and Beaver's, like, nursing this cookie, and he's, like, eating it in a really weird way. And, um, oh, yeah, Ward asks Wally, like, anything happen, Anything exciting happened in school today? And he's like, nothing like that, referring to the girl barfing in Beaver's classroom. Mm-hmm. And he's like, um, anything interesting happening tomorrow? Trying to get him to talk about the test. He's like, uh, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. <laughs> like, okay, being weird. Yeah, Dad, let me just look into the future and tell you all the interesting things about to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the boys go up, are about to go upstairs. Uh, they grab a couple cookies for the road. And Wally, uh, Wally, you sweet boy, says, thanks for a nice supper, Mom. Ah. Uh. 
the sweetest. And she goes, thank you. And then Beaver goes, thanks for the nice cookies, Mom. Oh, boy. That kid. Uh, Both of them. Just darlings. Right. Like, even though Beaver's was kind of like a jokey one, it's still a nice thing to say. Of course. Yeah. Uh, so Ward and Jude kind of just like chit chat for a bit. And Ward tells her about like this test and how he wants them to study. And he's like, I never once heard an apology for being late. Touche. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. No. Yeah. Ah. Uh, Man, okay. you just made me so angry. <laughs> you made me angry well, at Well, I Ward. took us. I took a screen grab and titled it, and you'll see it when I send them to you, but it says, how Louise feels about the writing for this scene. <laughs> and it's like June giving him like a sassamafras look with a hand on a hip, and I was like, ooh, girl, yes. Nice. Um, so this is, so Ward's getting like really jerky, and he's talking about how like, you know, he was such a great student when he was a kid, and... June was like, so what? Like, I was an average student, and I did okay. And Oh, yeah, she says, um, oh, Ward, we can't all be A students. Maybe the boys are more like me. And he, like, says, oh, no, no, like, grossly. And I wrote yeah. in my notes, like, gross, terrible writing. Ward is not so smart, and June is a powerhouse. And, like, he backpedals then, and it's like, well, what I mean is, and it's like, you already put your foot in it, Ward. You know, I guess they can't teach you how to not be a jerk. Ugh. Yeah. So, um, he, so so we go up to the kid's bedroom, and they are doing the most, like, 1950s, going upstairs after dinner, uh, things where Beaver's just reading a comic and Wally's painting a model airplane. So oh, yeah. adorable. What did you typically do after dinner? After growing dinner, up? growing up, if if it was as late out as it seemed to have been in Mayfield at this time, I was probably up in my room listening to like listening to cassette tapes, probably Weird Al. Um, let's see if I was about like 10 years old, kind of figuring around the ages of the, of those kids. Yeah. Uh, that's probably it. Uh, I don't know. Like, I feel like I must've been doing something, maybe homework. I don't know. Um, begrudgingly. Uh, (laughs) how about you? I was immediately outside, whether I was going to shoot hoops in the driveway I mean, I would even turn on the front porch light and be like, I'm out. I'm going to do this until you tell me to come in (laughs) or until too many bugs start to bite me Uh, or on my bicycle, just like riding in circles in the in the driveway. Or we had like a tiny little baby ramp. And so sometimes I would like ride the ramp down and then do a U-turn and then come back up into the driveway. What was your neighborhood like growing up? Um... At different times, different things, but it got very, um, I think by the time I was about 10, it was like every other house on the block had at least one or two kids in it that were between the ages of 
two and 17. Uh So there were times when we would play incredibly intense capture the flag games. Um, We would be, uh, there was a giant field on two sides of my house. So one field was where there was like a church in that field. So we would, we would be out there, but it was more like to cut through to get somewhere else. And then the giant field behind my house on the other side of it was a cemetery. So sometimes we would cut through and then there was longer grass toward the back and a few trees. So sometimes we would like pretend we were like, I guess I was 13 at this point, but before, well, I wasn't 13 at the point of the story. Let me just get through it. But like (laughs) think in your head, think in your head, crawling on hands and knees, Pumbaa and Timon style, Uh where we would go out in the long grass and like make little mazes, I guess, or like crawl on our bellies, or we would like pull this, pull the grass out of the, out of the grass and like put it in our mouth, like hillbilly style. And we'd see who could get it the longest without it breaking or suck the milkweed out of it. Or I don't even know. But in that backfield, before you got to the long grass, before you got to the cemetery, we would um, have one of the other neighbors with a lawnmower mow a baseball field. Oh, cool! So we would play incredible baseball games, like neighborhood wide. So baseball this is games just well. with the neighbors. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, now I'm trying to just like paint a, a mental picture of this. So, okay, using Mayfield as a starting point, you like the mm-hmm. houses are relatively close together. Um. In Mayfield, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty, I'd say, active area. There's, you know, cars going down the street, people walking by. Um, yep. I'd say the neighborhood where I grew up is a little quieter than that, and the houses are a little bit more spread apart from one another, but not by much. Um, how does where you grew up in Iowa compare? I think that our houses were much farther apart than that. I also, that house that I moved into when I was five, that house um, was on a dead end. Okay. So when it, it, and it was a dead end that L-shaped. Huh. So you could basically ride in a you know in an L shape and then the the cul-de-sac dead end was a was a rounded Mm -hmm. area um and then get to the all the way to the end of the other street before you even hit a cross street got it so we essentially had like no traffic because unless you lived on that that L shape Uh because people would see the sign that would say dead end and then not turn into it or it would say no outlet I think right um, so at the L shape at the end was the one field that was huge. Right. And then behind my house was the other giant field. Cool. Yeah. That's kind of what I imagine. I'd like, we've never talked about what your like place like growing up was like or anything like that. But like, that's kind of what I imagine to be. And I think that's just because. Iowa makes you think fields. Oh yeah, but oh, it's yeah. like I. And but I was worried I went, that I was like just 
thinking like, oh, Stereotypesville over here. No, we would we would lawn mow baseball fields into the backfield, which was just like a giant grass field. And then with like a, a line of taller grass, like waist high grass right. and trees and then a cemetery. So sometimes we would play like a hide and seek in the cemetery. What a childhood. It was really great. That's cool. It was great. Uh, um, or um, when I went back, uh, I think after I'd been away for college for maybe like one or two years, it was like that backfield had been cut in half because they had taken out the long grass and the trees and added a road and built like 12 more houses. Oh, wow. And I was like, what happened to that field? <laughs> like, This used to be my playground. This used to be my childhood dream. Um, so back to Leave it to Beaver. Okay, yeah. What a, what a diversion. Thanks for going on that journey with us, folks. Uh, yeah, yeah, so um, uh, yeah, we're up in the, the kid's bedroom and Beaver... Kind Word of, comes in. Well, Beaver kind of... Oh. They start talking a little bit about um, this test that's happening the next day and Beaver's like... What's the deal with this? And Wally's like, oh, it's not the kind of test you study for. It's just, uh, you know, an intelligence test, you know, or whatever. And uh, and, and he says something like, they ask you questions like, oh, yeah, what's longer, six feet of string or six feet of board? Yeah. <laughs> what kind of board? I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's when Ward comes in and... Without giving them a chance to tell him that this test is not the kind that you study for, Ward is like, all right, kids, let's get working on this test. Uh, Wally, you're a really good student, but Beaver, you know, you're you're pretty good. You're, you get good marks in everything except for arithmetic. Let's go over your multiplication tables. And it's just like... And the Beaver says, uh, are you going to take the test too, Dad? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forget that, that what exactly Ward said that made him respond to that, but that was... Pretty dead. Probably like I'm here to study with you guys. Right. It was right, like probably right. something. Maybe Ward should take that test too. Ugh, he should. Yeah. Uh. So yeah. So then Ward starts like he sits down next to Beaver and just starts grilling him on multiplication. And this is what I wanted to talk about. His face gets super close to Beaver's in the same way that uh that Corny's face gets to his in the car. And yeah. I feel like this is very similar to the way that Ward was acting towards, I, I can't remember if it was the kids or June, but after Fred Rutherford kind of like puffed his chest out to to mm-hmm. Ward, like Ward kind of took it out on his family. And I feel like this is like the yes. same kind of thing. It's exactly the same. So... This is And it's worthless. Yeah, well, this is a perfect example of how, like, you know, Ward comes across to his family as, like, this tough guy, know-it-all, you know, authority, master of the house and everything. But when we see him with his work people, you see him for the coward he really is. The person yeah. who doesn't speak up, the person who's afraid to, like, show any form of you know, authority. Passive and submissive. He is just the worst. And look, 
I don't know if in 1958 they were having this these conversations where it's like, this is what your character is all about. Like, at work, he is a nobody. He's a peon. Everybody looks at him as just like the doormat or whatever. But when he gets home, he's the man of the house. He rules the roost. And ain't nothing going to stop him. I don't know. Uh, I hope they're not having those conversations. I I hope it was like a, a like an afterthought to them. I hope they might not have that. ever thought about this before. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, so after oh yeah, so he's like grilling Beaver about the multiplication tables, and he's like four times four, and Beaver's like fifteen, and he's like, huh, it's not fifteen. I could see how you would think it is, which is like what how? Yeah, <laughs> come on. How? Yeah. That's right. <laughs> so he's like, he tells him the answer and he's like, now remember that. Don't forget that. Fix it, that. In, Fix your it mind. in your mind. And Woof. the beaver does this like upward cross-eyed look very similar to when he is inspecting his own haircut in the episode, The Haircut. Which had to have been like in his audition or something. It's like, that's his yeah, quality. Probably. He can do that. And the the thing is, is in the haircut, I was like, ugh, adorable. And in this one, I was like, that's not how you learn. <laughs> well, no, it's not. And, and Ward should know that. Um, but yeah, so, and also it's just like, he's not really teaching him how to figure out why four times four is 16. He's just like, these are the numbers. Remember them. Right. Let me just interject, too, interject with a quick away. Wally moment. So Wally does this cute little like <laughs> laugh when the beeve messes up the multiplication tables and Ward shoots him a look or says something to him like, what's so funny? And he's like, uh, nothing. I just thought of something funny that happened at school today. And I was just like, nice recovery. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, Wally. Well done. You're the best. Classic. So uh, then they explain to Ward what kind of test this is and he does say to Beaver I hope I didn't upset you and I was like if you didn't say that I'd be so furious with you right now mm-hmm. but you did the right thing doesn't make you not a bad person but you at least apologized kind of to your son just saying it's a thing yeah yeah uh now we cut to the next day in the classroom and it mm. is to test time that's right yeah miss canfield is explaining to them like do your best on the test it's not gonna affect your grades if you get stuck on a question don't think about it too much or too hard or waste a lot of time just move on to the next one um she is lovely just generally love her yeah yeah she's she's a delight um whitey has a question about like uh how they should like if they should print their names in the corner or whatever and or do cursive oh, yeah what a cute question and just a shout out to the fafara family stanley fafara brother of tiger fafara tui brown um 
And then uh, I just wrote a note that Beaver's jacket is so cool. We'll have to get a screen grab. Yeah. Uh, I would love to, like, Beaver's so just, like, little. And as mm-hmm. a as a parent, uh, you know, it's like you see at, like, kids' clothing stores, these just, like, miniature versions of real clothes and like you know there's some clothes where it's just like oh that's kids clothes but like sometimes you see something where it's just like if that was adult size that would be so dope and that's what i thought of when i saw like beaver's little jacket um speaking quickly on kid clothes and adult clothes i will constantly look at little kid clothes and be like why don't they make that in my size and i have come up with this theory that kids they want to have all these colors and patterns and interest and that as you get older, the world just oppresses you so much that you're you're left with like neutrals and like drab nothingness. And it is only when you become like even older that you get to wear neon again. And have it be acceptable. You mean like elderly? Yes. (laughs) Well, also, it's like, what's stopping us from wearing shirts that say like, daddy's favorite pooper or something like that? (laughs) If if it's true, you don't have to stop wearing those, you know, those things. Well, the problem is I can't find them. That if I could find them, I'd buy them and wear them. Baby. Not daddy's favorite pooper. Okay. All right. Everyone... Louise and I have a different podcast called I Have a Great Idea, But I'll Never Do It. It's the, it's the show where we talk about great ideas that we'll never do. We are going to talk more about baby clothes for adults on the next episode. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Uh, all right. So Beaver's wearing this awesome little jacket and they start the test and he is just like immediately struggling. Like you could just tell by the look on his face that he's like, this is not going to go well from him. Jerry Mathers, grade A acting. You know, I was thinking about, and this is happening more in a couple scenes from now, but it's like, such a cute kid. But as an adult, like, he aged in a really weird way. I'm not saying he's a bad looking guy, but like, he still very much looks like the beaver. But it's just, it's very odd. Side note, yeah? I wonder if he's had work done and if we can find that out. Do you think that that's a possibility or like, no? I don't know. He doesn't look like he's had work done. Hmm. Okay. Um, but who knows? So now uh, there's, I don't know if it's a commercial break, blackout, Time and then the backup. Passed. Time passes. It's the end of the test. Beaver has like a five o'clock shadow. You can tell it's been a while. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, test is over. And um, all the kids are passing their tests up to the front. And Miss Canfield asks a new kid named Charles to bring the test to the principal's office, Miss Rayburn. Charles is played by uh, Bobby Middlestead, who I did not act for very long he actually ended up becoming i want to say he was uh like a dean at a 
university in Arizona. Uh, but he then he also became an adjunct professor uh, at uh, Wharton in U, at UPenn, and um, kind of just like goes to show you, it's like, all right, maybe the uh, and, and this okay, no, 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 forget I said that. I don't want to give anything away. But anyway, as of 2007, that's what he was up to. Oh, I actually, okay. I can show you his picture. Uh, where did it go? Yeah, that's what he looks like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, normal guy, just a normal looking guy. But uh, when he was a little kid, he looked like a little scrapper. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. And he um, does not strike me by the way that he is costumed or the way that his hair is, as someone who would stereotypically be anything but a bruiser. Yeah. Like, he he does not look like the well-put-together, super, super smart, um, like, know-it-all teacher's pet. Right, somebody who would bring the class's test to the principal's office. Yeah. Right. Uh, Nonetheless, Judy says... Like this kid Judy's, is out of control. Judy's a little dirtbag. She sure is a creep. But she <laughs> is trying to communicate to Miss Camfield that Charles mm-hmm. is a schmuck and right. doesn't even know where the principal's office He's is. He's new. How could he possibly know? Um, yeah. So the classroom clears out, and it's just Beaver, Whitey, and Judy. And Judy's like, "That was a pretty hard test, huh?" And like, what you what did you put down for the question about blah 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 blah? And Whitey apples is, and oranges about apples and oranges. And Whitey's like, and the beaver goes, I picked apples. And Judy's like, oh, how yeah. did you get that? And the beaver's like, I like them better. Yeah, I like apples better. <laughs> and uh, um, Whitey was just like, I didn't get past the question that had the pictures of the six houses. And he was like, one of them didn't have a chimney. And she's like, it wasn't supposed to have a chimney. And he's like, oh, I just drew one on. And uh, Judy was like, Beaver, look at this idiot. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I drew one on too. <laughs> Which so I, I bet Judy, like the whole the whole walk home, Judy was probably like, man, maybe I should have put a chimney. <laughs> I, I on. know, right? She's such a she's such a dirtbag. Um, so, and by the way, I laughed out loud. I don't laugh out loud at very much with Leave it to Beaver, but I laughed out loud at that moment. His delivery was just, like, perfect. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, we're back at home, and Ward is on the phone, and he is obviously getting good news. So, then we go, he hangs up the phone, he calls June in, and he says... Beaver got the highest score on the test. And she goes, our Beaver? And it's like... Time out. Huh? June's second love. Oh. It is the first time that we see this top. Um, oh. 14 episodes in, first time. This is an abstract pattern her kale button-up shirt dress that looks like it has shark teeth and fish bones on it, a very Heathcliffy pattern, if you will, <laughs> with a solid dark circle skirt, a pale plain apron, silver hoops, and a single strand of pearls. I was very excited to talk about this outfit because it is bonkers. 
yes. it is unlike anything we've ever seen before. It seems like it has buttons that don't make sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. And in my mind, it is like a like a burnt sienna and a like a rust orange. A burnt sienna. Yeah. Look, I've I've colored with crayons before, Louise. <laughs> I, I know what burnt sienna is, but yeah, like just like something very uh, autumnal. But yeah, the the pattern is really out of this world. Yeah, there are like train tracks or or like highways of a stripe that'll go from the top that go down the sleeve. Yeah, there are the same stripes that go. Uh, around where the buttons would be in the front but then there's also they they could be like I said fish bones and shark teeth or they could be like some sort of weird flower pattern or some weird like key usually percale patterns are um really I don't know random like sometimes they'll be um like a bunch of different leaves that inter- interlock together or it's similar to paisley but it's not at all in that it could be like garden tools or right. y- y- just things that go together thematically or you could have you know an anchor a sailing knot a, sh- a sailboat and a starfish like so- all yeah. closely patterned together on a percale, um, which is sort of like a cotton nylon blendy type basic shirt, um, if you, or dress, or skirt, or sheets. But if you out usually, there have theories about June's outfit, email us at louisa2beaver at gmail.com. We'd be glad to hear your thoughts. I was so excited by this. Me too. I was like, can't wait to talk about this one. I just wrote down, what's up with June's outfit? Um, loving it. Yeah, okay, yeah. Back so to she goes, Howard Beaver, and it's like, what other Beaver do you think he's talking <laughs> about? Uh, and it turns out that he, the Beaver, not only got the highest grade in the school, the school, but he has the second highest mark ever for this test. How about how about them apples? And eh? they, before? the parents get called in because oh, <laughs> you like them better because you like them better. Um, and the parents, the Cleavers, get called in to Miss Rayburn's office. They have to meet with her tomorrow. Yeah. So uh, Ward really wants to call Corny and just like rub it in. But June's mm-hmm. like, don't be an idiot. Which is She's tough for amazing. him. She's amazing. Uh, yes. Yeah. So now it's the next day, and the everyone's about to go out to go to meet with Miss Rayburn. Kids are going to school, but June and Ward are going to meet with Miss Rayburn, and uh, yep. Ward calls Cornelius to tells him to tell him um, that he won't be able to drive him to work, and. Thought, what a scumbag move! Why didn't he call him last night and say, "I can't pick you up tomorrow morning"? Yeah, he is a jerk. Why would you wait till the morning of to be like, "I can't give you a ride"? Yeah, Ugh. but June's look three. Oh, and it's a repeat 
from episode 11, look six, and episode three, look one. It is a pleated midi-length skirt, uh, or mid-length skirt, pardon, cardigan, chiffon scarf, dark-heeled mules, and dark leather satchel, which is a new accessory for her. Arm candy, earrings, and pearls. Yes, they are getting all decked out to go to the principal's office. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, Louise, here's a question for you. If you, let's say you have a child who, uh, you know, something good happens at school and you have to go to the principal's office, what would you wear? Uh, It's going to depend on where I'm going next, Bob. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) If I am on my way to a yoga class, I'm going to be in some Lululemon pants and uh, a tank top and a hoodie. If I'm on my way to grocery shop, probably the same outfit. If I am on jury duty, something nicer. <laughs> yeah. But I'm not like getting special jeans and a, and a shirt. I mean, chances are my kids are going to go to public school and life is short. Yeah. If you don't take a minute and look around, no. Um <laughs> I'm not getting decked out. Yeah, so, I don't totally. revere the position that much. Maybe that makes me a jerk. Yeah. But I think in this phone call, um, are you going to wear... Wait, time out. Are you going to wear a suit and tie? No. No. Okay, good. Same page. Um, I think in this phone call, though, to Willis, he manages to get in that the reason that he can't pick him up is because he's so special. Because oh, yeah. his boy is so smart. All I wrote down was smug S-O-B. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, uh, next scene, we are in the school hallway. And I'd like to talk about how bare the walls are in this hallway. Nothing on them. Yeah. Nothing. So, the um, Larry is there and he's eating an apple. Classic Larry. Classic Larry. Oh, I skipped a screenshot. It's fine. Right. I'll just send it anyway. Okay. Um, so the the other kids are calling Beaver like a sneak because he is, as, as they say, a sneaky genius. They're like yeah. mad at him for being secretly smart. I put the caption to this screen grab as mad at smarts. Yeah. They're being such jerks. Um, yeah, creep city. Yeah, so they're all walking into the classroom and like, but they don't want Beaver walking in with them because he's a sneaky genius. Um, yeah. What a bummer. Yeah. Beaver just, you know, is just drawing chimney. Although I bet that Whitey was like, man, glad I drew that chimney on that house. My instincts were right. Um, yeah. So now we go to Miss Rayburn's office. And um, Miss Canfield is with her, too. And what they're basically saying is like... And I'm like, who's with Miss Canfield's class? Yeah. Just like a teaching aide? Like, who's in there? Maybe it's the, <laughs> the like, night watchman and his dog from... Yes! Yeah. Uh, so we go to... Uh, oh, yeah. So we're in the Miss Rayburn's office. And um, they're saying that they spoke with, like, the school psychologist... And they don't think that he, that Beaver should be in that school anymore. He should be in a, like, a gifted, a school for, like, gifted kids. 
Okay, let me just interject for one second about how weird this scene is. And normally, I am in love with Miss Canfield in the way that Beaver is. Uh-huh. And she <laughs> says that she is surprised a bit by the Beaver's scores because she always considered him to be kind of average uh-huh. is in terms of a student. And, like, you can see this, like, little acting moment where she's ashamed that she said it that way. And then she's like, well, what I mean is... And Miss Rayburn shuts her down so hard and says, like, well, uh, you've only been teaching here for right. a year, so you clearly have no idea what you're talking about. Ah, uh, Yeah. Not a good moment. Anyway. No. Right. So uh, they give they give them a bunch of, like, brochures for schools that he should go take a look at. Just like, yep. man, that is a tough pill to swallow. And also, it's like, who cares what this one test says? You know, based on the way that he is in the classroom is way more important. Because it's like that test is just showing you just how your brain works. Yeah, and I think even in this meeting, I didn't write it down, but I'm thinking about the episode that... um, June says something like, well, he's always been really happy here yeah. at this school, so I don't know that we'll change schools. And Ward, I don't know, says something back to her, and she throws him a glare. I'm going to find it. Yeah. Because I, I, it, it, I like, it likened to the glare that she gave him earlier in the episode, and I liked the first one a lot. So <laughs> I'm going to find I'm going to find A lot of great one. glares. Um. So then we go to the kid's bedroom and uh, Beaver is telling Wally how he's going to interview at a new school tomorrow. Um, he miss says interview. I forget how exactly, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then um, Wally... The Beav says, like, I'm really going to miss you if I go to this other school. And Wally says, well, I'll see you on visiting days, just like they do in the penitentiaries. I know. I was like, yeah. And it's like Wally's trying to make light of the situation. But you could tell that he's, like, bummed out. And and Beaver goes, I'm going to miss the kids at school, even that creepy Judy. At least he knows. I love when he talks smack about like his friends. Like when he was talking about oh, Eddie yeah. Haskell and he's like, I hate that guy. <laughs> he's just like, I straight up hate him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So then Wally and Beaver are just like not happy um, about the new school situation. And um, now we go to Hawthorne School, the progressive school for the progressive boy. For the boy. progressive boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's when we meet the, I think he's like the headmaster there, and I have his information. Oh, no, I lost it. Hold on. Um, the The actor who played him actually has quite an interesting story. I mean, how would you describe this headmaster? Um, how would I, I guess. Stuffy? Yeah, a formal and, um, kind of rigid, um, 
but also like not powerful. Yeah, it's like not like I am more intimidated by Dumbledore. Than this <laughs> yeah, guy. totally. Yeah, you know, he just seems very like traditional, strict, but like not mean. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it's played by a guy named John Hoyt, who has been in movies like Spartacus, Flash Gordon, Desperately Seeking Susan, um, a lot of uh, really fun movies, really good movies, too. And he started off actually as a comedic actor and um, kind of like a, an impressionist. Yeah. So... Um, Interesting. Super cool. Yeah, pretty interesting. So I always like it when there's people who show up in these things where it's like, oh, you're actually like a person or you became a person after this. So um, the headmaster, oh, this really annoyed me. He says to Ward, you and your wife sit over there. And it's like June's right there. Yeah. Just say you two can sit right over here. Yeah. Also, June's right there in her fourth look. What? Yes. New day, new outfit. It is a repeat look from episode 11, look four, when they uh, have Aunt Martha come. But she's wearing the herringbone fur-trimmed collar suit with a modest round pillbox hat with a veil, earrings, gloves. It's that fancy. Uh Uh-huh. And pearls. She's also carrying a satchel, but we've seen this satchel purse before. I would say it's a little bit longer. I would say if I if my kid was interviewing at a fancy school, I'd probably I don't know if I'd wear a suit, but I would dress more nicely. Uh, yeah. I mean, and the beavers showed up in a suit as well. Beaver looks adorable. Of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so they are, Beaver's just, like, being super precocious. Uh, he asks Beaver what he wants his vocation to be when he grows up, and he says, a garbage collector. Let me go back one second. Oh, sorry, go ahead. He says, what do you think of our school? Oh. And the Beef says, ain't you got no baseball field? And I wrote, well, that should have tipped him off. Yeah. Like, this kid is not a genius. Um, but yeah, he says like a lawyer, a scientist, a doctor. a doctor. And he's like, no, because I don't want to wash my hands a lot. And doctors smell um, funny. Doctors smell funny. So then he says, OK, well, what do you want to be? And he says, right, garbage, garbage collector. collector. Right. Because you don't have to wash your hands and no one cares what you smell like. Yeah. It's covered in garbage all the time. And the headmaster is like, that's original. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like he's actually not that dismissive about it either. No. No. Um, so yeah, he said there's no baseball field, and the headmaster is basically just like, well, we don't believe that team sports, blah, 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 blah whatever. Um, and then Ward gets all Ugh, offended because Ward. he used to play football, and he thinks that team sports, blah, 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 blah prepare you for the real world right. just like they've prepared you to be a doormat and also yeah. aggressive with your family i know perfect yeah so uh cut to the bedroom and beaver's just like lamenting to wally about like how crappy this place was 
Oh, yeah. There's something that he says that's really weird. He says, did you see any of the other kids? There? Oh, right. And he says, like, I saw him through, through a, a glass, glass window. window. Yeah. But, like, I didn't get to talk to him. And I was like, ew. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, yeah. So now we go down to the living room. And who's at the door? It's Miss Canfield with Charles. What? It's a different day <gasps> and a different look. Well, June. It's probably not. A, it's probably not a different day. She probably just changed. Oh, you're right. Yeah. She didn't need to stay fancy all day. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Um, June is wearing in the fifth look of the episode a three-quarter length sleeved tartan pattern buttoned-up dress with an embellished leather belt, blossom gold earrings, uh, and a double strand, one light, one dark pearls. Very nice. So Miss Canfield comes with Charles, and. Which I think is super weird. The way that... Would you go to a person's house with your teacher? No parents. No parents. And the way... And she like... She had her like arm around him. It's like, are they dating? What's happening here? (laughs) So, uh... Charles is just like, I'm sorry about what I did. And then he goes on to explain that... Or Miss Canfield, I think, explains... That when Charles went to bring the test to the principal's office, he wrote his name on Beaver's paper and vice versa. Yeah, the test. And the reason is that... Yeah, Ward says, why did you pick on the Beaver? Right. Well, he... Yeah, because... Well, he says that the Beaver... You know, he's like, well, everybody likes the Beaver... So, yeah. you know, I kind of want to be like that guy, but... Um, and I hope everybody will like me. Yeah, I hope everyone will like me, which is, like, a really sweet thing to say. Um, but he also explains that, like, at his old school, he was the smart kid, and nobody liked him, and, you know, didn't want to be the smart kid. Yeah. Yeah. And then Ward says, after they leave... uh to June that he's relieved to find out. Right. And I was like, what? You have not been behaving in a way that made it seem like you were stressed out about finding out that your son was a lot smarter than you thought he was. Everything that he's done has been like overly proud, braggadocious. I know. Arrogant. such a jerk. So to say that he's relieved... What? Yeah. So, um, we got to the bathroom. Wally and the beaver are getting ready for uh, bed. Wally is uh, is They're putting gonna... toothpaste onto both of their toothbrushes, which is very cute. And they're pretty big toothbrushes. They Somebody really should talk big. to the props department. Those were like comically large toothbrushes. <laughs> they and, really were. Um. I forget what they're even talking about. I don't even, I didn't even write it down. I think the beaver says like, how, what am I going to say to the kids to tell them I'm not smart or something like, cause he knows that Charles was over. Right. Oh and yeah. And so yeah, yeah. Wally says, just explain to them, uh, four times four. Oh yeah. <laughs> and like that'll show them. And yeah. he's like 12. Yeah. Um, and then we go back down to the living room and it's like Ward learned a lesson 
But then he calls Corny. Why does he call Corny? I, I, I don't actually remember exactly why he called Willis, but I think it was maybe to say, like, I'll pick you up for that ride. And, right. Um, he just doesn't come clean. Well, yeah, well, also, the beaver. Well, also, Willis is like, Corny is like all weird because he had to pay 260 for cab fare. And, like, yes, I know Ward should have told him, with given him more advance about the whole ride situation. But, like, dude's giving you a ride to work. Don't make yeah, him feel it's bad. It's your about responsibility it. to get there. Yeah. Also, it's Mayfield. Ride your bike. It's probably beautiful outside. It's probably like a block away. Like, yeah. suck it up. Um, so, yeah, then uh, Ward gets off the phone and June is like, why didn't you tell him about what happened? Oh, oh, Corny is also just like, by the way, that test like doesn't matter at all. Like my kids were in like the bottom half of the school. So it's like it really doesn't matter. And uh Ward's like being a big jerk about it. And June's like, why didn't you just tell him? And he's like, well, I promised Miss Canfield I wouldn't tell a soul. And, and they're like, <laughs> and then there's a big hug. And embrace. Yeah. Yeah. And everything is right with the world. Bum, 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 bum. And that's the end of the episode. Okay. So rating it with G gollies. What do you got for me? I... Believe it or not, I want to give it four out of five G gollies. That's what I gave it. You know, G golly. It has its problems, obviously. Sure. It's an episode of Leave It to Beaver. It's going to have its problems. But like because of the moments and it's because of Wally saying thanks for the nice dinner. It's Mm -hmm. because uh, Ward said, I hope I didn't upset you. It's because of those moments that I was like. Okay. I also, you know me, love a good guest star. Uh-huh. And we had multiple yeah. in this episode. Um, we met Willis Cornelius. Right. We met the headmaster. We had a new student. Um, so that's what bumped me up as well. Right. In, in my, in my Gigali rating. Be- oh, I'm so glad we're on the same page. Totally. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was decent, even though Ward just, like, really makes them so much worse. It was a rough one for Ward, but it was a great one for fashion. That one June look is just, like, mind-blowing. Oh, yeah, and you can tell she's confident wearing it as well. Oh, for sure. Uh, (laughs) so... That I think that'll do it for this episode. Sounds great. I, uh, Louise, I'm so glad that we do this. This is one of my Me the too. highlights of my of my life. Um, don't tell my wife or child that I just said that. Um, <laughs> and thank you everybody for listening. Rate and review us on uh, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever you use to listen to this podcast. Um, tell your friends, tell your parents, tell your aunts and uncles. Tell your teachers, tell your principals, tell your um, your creepy Judy's at school. Uh, you know, it's just fun. It's a good it's a good time for everybody. And 
without any further adieu. When you're a little fellow, you can usually tolerate a fair amount of affection from your parents. And you can even stand a reasonable amount from your big brother. But when a strange female decides to be affectionate, it really presents a disturbing problem. And that's our story next time on Louisa to Beaver.